my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hello, divas. Happy Halloween. I hope that you are having a wonderful day. I just wanted to pop in here because I have kind of a fun little thing that we haven't done on Studio Class before, where we're doing a little crossover episode with my friend Rebecca Haas and her podcast, Being a Whole Person. If you have not checked out this podcast, I highly encourage you to do so. Rebecca asked me to be on her podcast, and I thought that I love her conversations so much, and I think she is such a brilliant person that I wanted to also share our conversation on Studio Class. So you're going to hear me chatting a little bit more than I usually do on interviews because I'm being interviewed there, but we definitely talk about things like creative placemaking and you know I'm all about that community building. So <laughs> a couple of the other things that I really wanted to pinpoint here is we, we did, we talked about things like burnout. We talked about harmful ideas around quote unquote hard work, right? I think a lot of you know what I'm talking about and definitely take a moment to listen to that section of this episode. And yeah, and also one of my my newest favorite topics, which is bringing our favorite selves to our, to our work at the moment. So I hope that you enjoy this crossover podcast episode with Rebecca Haas's Being a Whole Person. And definitely go check that out. Uh, and here we go. I like the rock and roll music and I like to take the chance. Today, I am thrilled to welcome Megan Enan to Being a Whole Person. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm, And also, I, Rebecca, I'm so excited that we're sharing this episode on both of our podcasts. Yes. So I, get to, like, I also get to welcome you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> welcome to our exchange of exactly. studio class meets being a whole person. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited to talk to you because we kind of know each other through various music circles and have only really talked in person a couple times face to face in the same location. But uh, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, I like to say, you know, my little pitch phrase is like, I like to say that I'm a mezzo-soprano who's devoted to the commissioning performance and proliferation of new music. So that really kind of encompasses the way that I do multiple things in the world. I, I sing, I, I do coaching and, and consulting, and I also am the executive director for the Live Music Project. So that's kind of it. And that also explains why you and I have crossed paths in multiple of the multiples of the hats that we both wear um and it's been really great to do that so I'm excited that we're meeting this way too yeah me too yeah for listeners context we are both former midwesterners or (laughs) I guess midwesterners on the inside (laughs) yes exactly I used to live in Minnesota and Megan used to live in Iowa so we had crossed paths at some new music events in Minneapolis yeah (laughs) so yeah it's really nice to talk to fellow musician coaches too because there aren't as many 
or that's not the stereotype that you hear about when you're like, oh, coaching, creative coaching, yeah. et cetera. And all of us are doing so many different things in this day and age. Before we hit record, you're saying there's different pieces to what you do. And as a musician, they've been shifting. They were online. They're not online. They are maybe both at the same time. And there's just a lot to navigate here in 2022. (laughs) And if people are listening in the future, it's probably still true. Yeah. (laughs) Not going away. (laughs) Yeah. So what has that been like for you being a musician slash coach slash admin person (laughs) through the pandemic? Well, yeah, it's been interesting. I think we're all, as you mentioned, navigating this kind of like just kind of trying to ride these waves and in let's see here in 2018 I think it might have been was my last year I was I had been in nonprofit you know arts nonprofit land before that for a few years when I had moved back to Iowa I was teaching in higher ed and and I started to realize you know I had two careers I had like a kind of you know studio teaching and performing that were happening at the same time in growing ways that required me to be in the space with people. And I was like, but those spaces were not the same place. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, this is kind of a problem. And this is, you know, in 2018, this is like before, especially in the kind of classical voice world, that people were just not used to doing kind of remote lessons or anything like that. And so that was very off-putting to a lot of people. So it meant that if I came back from a gig, I'd have to do, you know, like 80 makeup lessons, like at a Ugh. time, just like grinding it out. And, and you think like, oh yeah, it's fine. But it's like, that could, it's very long after like no, teaching, yeah. teaching so many lessons. And, and I, I realized that this was like, hmm, that's not going to work for me. I really need to figure out something else or a fig- figure out different puzzle pieces that are going to make my life work at the moment. And so at the end of that kind of school year, May of probably 2018, I, I left all of my teaching jobs and I said, okay, I'm putting it out there that I'd like to work remotely. I have these skills from, you know, all of my background experience and do a lot of, um, you know, I do a lot of like marketing. I do a lot of arts admin stuff kind of across the board. Since once you work in a nonprofit, you, you do all the things, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Cause you have so, to, right. <laughs> like, you've learned all of the parts. And so And so I was like, I'm really looking for this right now. Does anybody know of anything that's opening? And I got really lucky that a a handful of people like reached out to me and they were like, we really want to work with you and we're happy to create something for you. Let's, let's work together. And so I was working remotely for my, for my kind of multiple clients before the pandemic. And that started, and so that gave me a chance to really get to know my working from home style and also just like generally working from wherever I'm at and, and all the time management that comes with that stuff like that. So going into everybody working from home, I was just like, okay, well I can deal with this, but I didn't realize how much having the performance side of my life was like the balancing Mm. outlet. Mm -hmm. And I, and I wasn't, it's not that I'm, like afraid of the technology or anything I I started to recognize that I part the part that I love 
so much about performing is the actual being in the space and feeling people's like energy while you're performing for them and yes. like, being you know without getting like too woo woo but here I am like, it's like <laughs> that kind of like communion and witnessing we do in a performance space right for each other and yeah. and I was like oh I had I had no idea that I felt this strongly about it about that part and so live streaming and broadcasting just was like I was like well okay I mean I'll do it I suppose but I'm not I am not fueled by this at all. And I'm okay with like setting some music stuff down and focusing on some, you know, other parts of my life at the moment while we're trying to figure out the pandemic stuff when it comes to singing. And obviously I, I've done stuff and I, you know, got like joy out of being able to do some live stream stuff and some, you know, album stuff and like recording in general, but I learned a lot about how important it is for me to balance any of the professional work that I'm doing with the professional performing that I'm doing. And that that is, a, an, I mean, a necessary, necessary like integration for me. So I don't know, Rebecca, is that kind of something that you were feeling? Uh, it's so different being a composer during something like quarantine early in the pandemic than it is I suppose somebody who's like oh, I really want to like sing to their faces <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well I completely agree with you you can't reproduce that energy from having people in the room with you there's absolutely nothing like that but I actually do like doing online concerts too I did several of them during the pandemic and I moved nine months before the pandemic. So yeah. like I've said this on the podcast before that March 1st, 2020, I had just finished up this project accompanying for opera on tap here. And I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to gig. I'm going to play my own music. This yeah. is it. And then yeah. that of course did not turn out the way that I thought <laughs> it would. So, you know, I still feel like I'm figuring out where I fit in the music scene here and figuring out like, where do I gig with like Brazilian music with my stuff? I have lots of other things that I do, but like, it was great to have online concerts as something that people were used to doing at that point, because all of my people from Minnesota were like, cool, we can yeah. see your concert. You're really far away now. So we couldn't come in person. And then, you know, anybody anywhere right. was... Right. Uh, their spirits were lifted by yes. having these musical interludes and like Brazilian music who, who doesn't get joy from that. So, right. oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> like... so that was really fun. I was doing them. I don't think it was quite monthly, but like periodically throughout 2020. Yeah. And as far as composing, it seems like during a pandemic, it would be like, cool, I can just hunker down and write. But it meant that I had like zero alone time anymore. Right. And I really right. need that for, uh -huh. I mean, I, I prefer it for practicing too. I don't have to have it, but like yeah. for composing, it really feels like I need that alone time and I just didn't have it. So yeah. I kind of lost my groove with composing from when I moved in 2019 until I don't know, like mid 2021, when my partner and I moved to a place where we weren't sharing space with anybody else. Yes. 
because we moved in with a friend at the beginning. We're like, this will be a great place to land while we figure things out. And then two years later, it was like, okay, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we can finally move now, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, it felt better to just stay where we were with things feeling uncertain work-wise and, you know, just uncertain in general. So that was weird. Yes. Well, and I think that's, I love that you said uncertain because I think that that's one of the things that just is that overarching word for like throughout all of this is like just different forms of uncertainty all the time yes and our creative personalities and especially I especially with like new music stuff we're used to like uh make it happen with whatever you have like sure you know here's two sticks of gum and a paper clip like (laughs) MacGyver MacGyver it (laughs) and so but that feeling of like uncertainty just kind of like showing up in new forms all the time throughout these last few years can be really exhausting. And I think, and we're not always like, so what people were asking me this last, even just this last like eight months or whatever, they're like, Oh, Megan, are you gigging again? Are you going out on the road more? And I was saying, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I do, especially when people ask me, I'm happy to go, but I haven't been like hustling that side of it as much as I probably had been before, because I found that it's just wildly different responses to like who's booking what these days, mm-hmm. how far out they're looking, how, how likely they are to cancel something. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, if it's so just this little cloud of uncertainty that just follows things and we're, and we're just trying to do our best, you know, we're showing up every day being like, okay, well, maybe I'll like play this way or I'll write this way, or I'm going to keep working on stuff for the organization this way. But every day is like new and random challenges. <laughs> yeah. And like, like you said, like, that's kind of the life we signed up for. And yeah. I know I personally do thrive on a lot of variety in my yeah. work life, yes. but I am also someone who really thrives on routines and structures. So there's always this balancing act. And I love that you said, I don't know how you worded it, but you were like varying levels of uncertainty or something like that. And it's like, we started talking about how everything was so uncertain at the beginning of the pandemic, but things are always uncertain. We never know the future. We were just like forced to deal with a lot more of that uncertainty than we had previously. And I started thinking a lot about this uh, balance between novelty and comfort during the pandemic and how much of that I need. I'm a person who suffers from anxiety. That's something that I, you know, manage and normally it's manageable for me, but like, I can tell when my brain is a little like, Oh, I could use a few more familiar things in my life right now. (laughs) I could use more of, you know, I need that anchor of something familiar for me to not feel completely just unmoored for a little while. Or like, if I'm traveling, I know this about myself. I don't feel settled until I've been there for a few days. And, you know, these are things that you just need to kind of know about yourself and plan. But our energy levels are always changing. Our circumstances are always changing. So our resilience in the face of that uncertainty and like the, the amount of variety that we give ourselves in our work is always changing too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think I, it, it's interesting when you were saying that it reminded me of, um, in 2018, 2019, I was on the road a lot and the most I've ever been as a performer. And I was just like, okay, this is different, which means, you know, 
and a lot of performers are used to it. There's probably people that would laugh at like me being like, this is a lot, but I was probably gone like two weeks out of every month and, and in different places. And so I was kind of like, oh, I remembered from that time when everything was changing and I was in different environments all the time that I had to give myself or I had to recognize that I needed more instances of control, right? I was letting, I was like exchanging, saying like, well, I'm going to go on the road. I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to be in different places all the time. I'm going to be on other people's schedules all the time. And so in exchange for that, I need little ways that I get to feel like I chose this. I'm in charge of this. I get to do this. Otherwise my body is going to revolt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I will have a response to, to that feeling of like, oh, I don't, there's not enough that I feel like in charge of. And yeah, that was helpful information kind of heading into a different type of um, uncertainty, I suppose, you know, yeah. a different type of it where it's like the opposite of being on the road all the time is now I'm home, but I, my whole routine and everything and having an entire outlet of my life is not there anymore in mm-hmm. the same way. And then you have to go, okay, well, what are ways that I can give myself whatever I need at the moment? Sometimes it's hard. I, I'm sure, I'm wondering if you have any like thoughts or strategies about that, which is like how, how you've identified how to give yourself what you need at various times, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I think about this all the time and it is a moving target also yeah. because what we need is always shifting. I talk about this a lot on the show, but it's worth repeating because we are constantly having to navigate it. But I think the first thing is just even asking yourself what you need. Like that's an underrated first step. Cause if you don't have the awareness to ask, then you're definitely not going to figure out what you need. Right. Right. And making that more of a practice. Like I have a reminder set on my phone for 7am that says like, what do you need today? And I have a morning walk as one of the things that I do to feel healthy and good. And, you know, I can ponder that, like, am I feeling like emotionally tender today? Do I need to be like extra nice to my, you know, inner little kid who's rebelling today? Or like, do I have a headache? Do I need to drink more water or, you know, something basic, but not always easy to do. Yeah. Um, and I think the more that we ask, the more we're going to find the answer, even if it's not particularly easy to find it immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also just kind of knowing like, what are my personal red flags for when I get really stressed out. And then I also like to talk about the pink flags, which are the not so obvious signs. Like I'm feeling kind of irritable and I'm like snapping at my partner for no reason, or, you know, just these little things that you just know internally, other people might not notice them yet, but like learning what those are for you so that you can take some kind of action to pull back when they're happening. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. So I think that's a big part of it is like, don't wait until you get fully overwhelmed Yes, to be in asking yourself, right? Asking yourself, yeah. what do I need right now? I think that that has always been a, or is a, a, a step that I'm, you know, continuously practicing, which is don't yes. 
don't wait until you're <laughs> don't wait until there's a fire to like smell right you know <laughs> yeah and I think it's worth saying that if that happens to you if you do end up completely overwhelmed and blindsided you don't need to be harsh with yourself like why didn't I predict this right, like right. give yourself the grace and you know we can meet ourselves where we are also if that yeah. does happen because I know that I didn't know what anxiety was mm-hmm. as, as like a diagnosable disorder, or I didn't understand that I had it and I was feeling pretty awful, but it was like, you know, the, what's that metaphor of like the, the frog and the boiling pot that's getting yes, yes. <laughs> gradually warmer and warmer and warmer. And then you don't notice it because it's so gradual. Like that's right. very real too. Very real. Very, very real. That's why I like the pink flags. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hopefully you can notice. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And then just kind of knowing like, what are the things that actually give me energy? Mm-hmm. And what are the things that are taking away my energy? Yeah. And framing it like that, it makes yeah. it more clear, like what tangible thing can I actually do? That yeah. isn't, I don't know, quitting everything or like yeah. <laughs> staying in bed all day when there's probably things that you want to be doing that aren't that. Well, Rebecca, you had mentioned that we're both Midwesterners like at heart and like, and I think this might come up later, you know, throughout our conversation, but, but this point that you're making just also touches on that, that deep Midwestern sense of something that I've had to learn about myself is, is the tendency to overwork to try to get out of something um, that I might be feeling emotionally overwhelmed or and I know that you and I have also talked about I went through a pretty intense uh phase of burnout like in 2017 that taught me a lot about who I needed to be for myself as an artist and you know what kinds of things I was focusing on but I one of when you when you were mentioning like pink flags and stuff like that and it just kind of triggered me to be thinking about that phase and the things that you can like hear in your own voice or you can feel in your body as you're kind of heading towards it but then some of my midwestern like protestant work ethic type stuff like kind of overriding those and being like no work your way out of it like and <sighs> when I meant like work not like you know process like ask yourself questions I was like no like literally work and like <laughs> yes. more work and I was like okay I have to uh one of mine is definitely like recognize that impulse and it is probably not as helpful there are times where you can just throw yourself into a project or some type of work and it actually does help you kind of just uh, focus on something and kind of get clear and move forward and then there are times where it is not as helpful and I've bumped into those along the way where I was like no no just do a lot of work just really throw yourself in there and and I've I have hit the points where that strategy was no longer useful mm-hmm. and had to kind of recognize that, that I wasn't just failing that and needed to do more and more work. I was like, oh no, I have, I have sailed right on past like a point where I should have reined this in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you 1000% on the Midwestern work ethic being like baked into our DNA. And I definitely had that modeled for me. Like my dad grew up on a farm. So Mm -hmm. 
he grew up without his family didn't have a ton of money. Like they did have to work really hard to make ends meet. He was one of five kids. Like that is very real. And so I don't want to say that there's never a reason that you need to do that. And like privilege comes into play. Of course, absolutely. just want to acknowledge that too. But like I had this modeled for me, he would work his construction job, long hours, and then come home and work in the garden the rest of the time. Like always doing something. And I interviewed him for a class in high school. It was just like, ask your parents about them, whatever. And it was like, what is your number one value? And he said, work ethic. Yeah. So like it was modeled and it was literally said to me. (laughs) And I remember like weekends when I was, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something. And I'd want to like watch a movie on a Saturday afternoon. Cause I'm like, it's the weekend. I I don't have school today. This is fun. And my mom was like, what are you doing? You're wasting the day away. And I'm like, you're like, no, this is, this is like positive rest. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't have terms for that at that time, of course. And, you know, like, I think everyone in my family has come to a different awareness of burnout and rest and stress and all those things over the years. But you know, it, it is really difficult when it is like the water that you've been swimming in your entire life. Also music school really, right. really, really drilled that in. I talk about that all the time, how like you're bragging about how many classes you're taking and how oh little sleep you're getting. And <laughs> it's like, this is how I prove I'm a good musician, a good person. Right. Right. Did you have that experience oh. too? You know, I, I didn't feel that as strong. Okay. Hold on. I need to be honest about this. I definitely was that person um, in a lot of ways. I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel a lot of like external competition because I don't think about things. Maybe that's kind of like that community first side of my brain, which is like, which is like, oh no, these are the people that I'm here with. So I don't, I don't go to places feeling a lot of like external competition, but I feel a lot of internal ambition. And so I think there's, that drive. So in undergrad, I had a very like, okay, well, I'm here, like, I tested in for like I head into that music major. And so like, I ended up doing undergrad in a shorter amount of time. So I definitely was like bringing that energy to it where I was like, well, I'm overloaded on classes, because I'm going to finish this, and I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to do the next thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm bringing that, hopefully not in a way that was like, trying to size up with other people. Cause I, I didn't feel it that way. And I definitely didn't feel that, you know, in my master's program, I didn't feel that t- desire to like compete with people that way. Um, but there's always that kind of like, well, are you involved in all the things? Are you doing, are you doing as much as you can? And, 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 you know, I think it's one of the reasons why I got really interested in uh, financial stability for artists was somewhere along the line. I heard, you know, got information from somebody I cared about, right. Where they were like, well, you can be in music. You just have to work really hard. You just have to like, you're going to have to have like, you know, all the jobs and stuff. And I was like, you're telling me I can have it as long as I work really hard. Great. I'll do that. And it was just like a huge version of a permission slip where I thought, oh, okay, well the, where my brain then interpreted that information as that's the way you can have it. Not like that's one way to have it. 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, and, then, and so I was like, oh, okay. So if I just work all the jobs, do all the things, then I can live this life that I want to. And over time, as I, you know, would bump into my limits on stuff, then I'd, I'd be like, okay, well, but I still want to be able to do this. So I have to be able to work hard, but how do I get to, how am I able to do this next thing? And so you can feel like kind of, you know, subconsciously or in the background, your brain starts to like shift to be like, well, if I had more financial freedom here, then I'd be able to do these things that I want to do. So what does that look like? And I think that's why I got, you know, got into it more was because I was like, well, I want to figure this out for myself. And then I also want other people to figure out that they don't have to, it's not the only way that you can have being an artist in your life to, to work all the jobs for little, you know, money and stuff like that. It doesn't have to necessarily be that way. If you're thoughtful about how you build your business and stuff and, you know, what that looks like. So I think that's where that comes from was like me wanting to figure it out for myself. And then also people asking me questions and then being like, well, sure, we can talk about it if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm sure. Did you feel the same way in, in school about feeling that culture of busyness? Yeah. And like you, I didn't feel the competition. Like I need to be better than everybody, or I need to be better than this person. It was more just a pressure to like, make sure that I measured up. Yeah. Make sure I was like good enough. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I actually didn't start school as a music major. I was unsure about it. So I started as a music minor and just like took the theory classes and like started that stuff right away. Yeah. And I had enough AP credit, so I didn't have to do general stuff and then still finished in four years. But I always had this idea that I was like kind of behind everybody else because I wasn't, you know, oh, as legit so since hard. I didn't start as a yeah. music major and, you know. And I'm also a person who feels very comforted by having a path to follow. And I think over the years I have followed many paths that looked clear and like looked good on somebody else, but they weren't my path. So, you know, that person that told you, if you work really hard, you can do this. Like I would be really susceptible to that too, because it's like, okay, you're telling me this is possible. I need that validation that like, I need to see or hear from someone else that yes, I can do this. Right. Right. And you're like, oh, well you said it's possible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, excellent. I'm going to run with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you watch the show Brooklyn nine, nine? I have a little bit. I'm getting big Amy Santiago vibes right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm here for that. (laughs) We'll do all the paperwork and all the things. And exactly, exactly. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely vibe with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Me too. I try not to, but to an extreme extent, but yeah, definitely. So you mentioned community a little bit as you were talking about you know, being in community in school. And that is one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you because you're such a connector of people. And in the new music community, I feel like if you talk to anyone and mention your name, they're like, (laughs) Oh, Megan. Yeah, I know Megan, of course. So can you talk a little bit about what it is like for you to build community? It seems like a very organic thing because you are just genuinely interested in getting to know different people and, you know, it comes out of your work, it seems, but can you just speak to that a little bit? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I am from a family, I would say, of kind of extroverted introverts, right? That they're very good at, like, we're all very good at kind of storytelling and and connecting with other people because we gen- genuinely like that. I love like just being in conversation with people, right? I love that part of what we do. And the fact that I get to go to lots of places and kind of be around lots of different people at things, it gives me this unlimited resource of people to meet and like learn more about them. And that's very cool. So I, I derive a lot of pleasure from, from that act of human connection. So that part's really important to me. And then, and then I also from just like a professional side of my life early on realized that, you know, the way that I got gigs, the way that I got opportunities was because people knew me, right. They, they yeah. were like, that a lot of things and some of like the best things showed up in my life because somebody knew me well enough to know that I had kind of disparate interests but they came together in this one way and so they were like actually the person you need to talk to about is or about this is Megan and and that comes about because you've built rapport with each other you kind of know what my interests are what my values are and also that you know what what I'm wanting to do you know kind of all of that stuff and vice versa so when I talk about community building I think a lot of it comes from that, that place of, well, yes, of course. It's like, I, I always say that like networking is not a dirty word. Like so many people come out of music school <laughs> yes. being like, being like, oh, it's all about who you know. And I was like, okay, okay. But when you say it like that, that sounds like a bad thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, who told you that? Who told you that in that way that makes you also think that it's bad that somebody who knows you well enough to send you information about something, that that's a bad thing. Like, what did you, what do you think is the alternative here? Is like, yeah. and, and it's, and I want to, I genuinely want to hear that. I'm not trying to like punk anybody with that. I'm, I'm saying like, what do you actually think is the alternative here? And I'd love to hear more about that because I feel like we could talk through that. <laughs> So that feeling of genuinely wanting to know what people are about and what they're interested in also just kind of, and that helps me kind of like put things together. It helps me just kind of go like, oh, this person needs to talk to that person and that'd be super cool. And nothing has to come of it. I just kind of want people to know sometimes. And I like being a person that passes along information. And I know that with so many of us in a, in arts and culture, so many of us are freelancers or at least partially freelancers or whatever, that there's not always tried and true uh, highways of communication. So, so if you can also be the person who just kind of passes along something, because it doesn't have to be for me for it to be valuable information to somebody I know. Mm -hmm. And and they may not know about those resources because that's something that, you know, arts organizations generally with limited budgets cannot do the same marketing that you can do in a for-profit context. And I know that, and I want to put more people into places of information. <laughs> so like, that's really important to me. So it kind of like, so 
I do that in just the way that I'm like, hey, I'm going to put this information out here because it's it doesn't have to be for me to, for to to share it, but also if I keep an awareness about the people that I'm in community with about their likes and interests and goals and desires and stuff like that, then when I see something, I can be like, oh hey, I thought about you for this, you know, and vice versa. And so I always tell people, especially when it comes to kind of even just the side of business stuff where it's like, I call it visibility building. It's mm-hmm. just making sure that your community knows what you're interested in enough so that if they see something come across their, their desk, their screen, whatever, that they, that your name is at the top of their mind in a way that's like really powerful because then they will go, actually, you should talk to so-and-so about this. And, and I just, I, I mean, every time it's, it's a more fulfilling life experience to like have these deeper connections with people and the knock-on is like way better gigs that come to you because people know you better in general and so they send you things that are more likely you know so it's like oh why wouldn't I want to do that instead of putting my you know my resume in a stack of a thousand people and maybe they hear me and maybe they don't you know maybe they listen to like five seconds of a audition tape that I sent in like uh I'd rather just work with people who sought me out as a collaborator. So yeah, that's the, I don't know if that, that might be all over the place, but I think that's kind of some general musings. (laughs) Yeah, no, I have a lot of thoughts about a lot of those things. I definitely relate to that. Uh, networking is a dirty word. Yeah. I thought it was gross to like go to networking events because it felt like it was going to be like schmoozy and people just in it for, you know, whatever they could like get out of you and not about genuine relationships. And I think also when I graduated from college, like I just wasn't as comfortable with communicating with people. I had less confidence than I do now. I didn't feel like comfortable in those situations. I'm an introvert. So there were just a lot of reasons why it felt uncomfortable for me to like seek out networking on purpose. And I noticed after a while that I was just doing it organically. And like, yes, I was playing with this person and then they knew who I was. And that's a win for everybody, right? Because like the resume and the stack is a lot of work for the person looking at them. You are just like in a sea of strangers. Mm -hmm. And then like, they get to hire somebody that they know or somebody who knows somebody they know, you know, somebody who is like tried and true in some way. And like, you get this connection. So like, that's a win for everybody. And (laughs) once I started thinking about thinking about networking as like, I'm just like getting to know people I'm, I'm interested in, I'm genuinely interested in learning about them. And if I approached it from that point of view, it was like, I'm just here to like make friends and learn about people. And like that, that's actually networking. And that feels so much nicer to me than like the schmoozy, whatever idea I had before. Yeah. And you're so right though. I'm not, I, I am not immune to like the number of people that are like, Oh, let me just talk to you to see what I can get out of you kind of thing. And yeah. And I mean, that happens. Good. No. <laughs> yeah. But if I have also found that if you just kind of shut that down also like you just approach it you're like listen we're either going to be 
in relationship with each other or we're not. And like, that's, yeah. that's those are my ground rules for like being in this together. Um, then that you have a lot more power in that, in that interaction, no matter where you are in your career or no matter how old you are or whatever, you have a lot more power to just decide this is the kind of relationship building I want to do. And so if somebody, if somebody is bringing you that energy in a situation, you know, this is for anybody who's like listening to us, like that you can start to be like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to do this, but you can also be the person who asks a deeper question. And, and then if they give up and move on, then you're like, fine, no loss. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you can sense that after talking for probably a few seconds and definitely a few minutes. Right. And like, I think community isn't just one, one place. And also I do a lot of talks on like community building and community isn't, you know, isn't one specific organization, one specific place, one specific building or whatever. It's not even one specific like online gathering of people. It can be that it can exist in those spaces, but community is, you know, is shared values, shared activities and consistency. And so that's like the hallmark of community. So think about the people that you're in community with, you're sharing activities, you're sharing values, and you're doing it consistently enough that you feel that, right? And because community is definitely a big buzzword these days. Like yeah. everybody thinks that they have a community. <laughs> like everybody, every every online entrepreneur like thinks that they're like that they're like, I've built this amazing community. And you're like, well, maybe you have, but maybe you haven't. Like not just because it exists doesn't mean that we have these these qualities, you know. And so community doesn't only exist in in my musical like professional life it exists in the fact that like I also know the people who you know work at the grocery store and like I see them consistently and it's a shared activity yeah and like our shared value is like being kind to each other when we see each other right you know so thinking thinking about that is like community building is a value wherever you go you know it's it's about kind of walking that no matter what you're doing and thinking about who am I in this situation? What am I bringing to this so that we can have that kind of relationship? It doesn't feel transactional, feels transformational. So I think, you know, that's one of the things that you're doing here so well too, is just like, is getting beyond transactional thinking and really thinking about transformational thinking, right? Yeah. That's a beautiful way of saying it that I hadn't come to myself. Thank you for verbalizing that. (laughs) Well, my pleasure. <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, would you be able to talk a little bit, even if you, if you, if the labels work or don't, you know, but thinking about the difference between connecting with people transactionally or transformationally, you know, when you think about those kinds of things, are, are you approaching it differently? How are you bringing yourself to it to have that kind of relationship? Hmm. That's a great question. I feel like I uh, am kind of allergic to a non-genuine interaction, just kind of in general, (laughs) like my body and mind just kind of reject any time that that is a possibility. So I feel like I'm like kind of unable to approach things in a non-genuine way. So 
it kind of just takes care of itself that way. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes you're in a situation where like, say somebody found you online and they're trying to book you for a gig and they're trying to like talk down your price. And like, you know, that you're not in that interaction to like have an ongoing relationship with that person who's like wedding you're going to play or whatever. Right. <laughs> and so, yes, that is transactional, but I think back to my friend, Lynn O'Brien, who I had on the podcast couple of seasons ago, back when it was a little bit different, um, it was more about business and spirituality and self-care and it has yeah. since evolved into what it is now. But she said, how can I show up generously? Mm. What is the price at which I should charge in order to show up generously? Oh, I like that. Yeah. So I think back to that a lot and yeah. you know, if you're not being paid enough, you're using your time for something that is depleting your energy and taking you away from other things that might pay more and also might be more rewarding. So, you know, there's always this calculus we're doing with that, of course, and it's complicated, but I really like that because it is a gift to everyone involved. If the price that you agree upon allows everyone to show up generously. Right. That's so good. I'm going to totally tuck that away. Thank yeah, you. do it. Thank yes. You, <laughs> Lynn is the best. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because I think that also just you know, from the side that when we're talking about business coaching too, I, so many of us have a hard time being able to either raise our rates or set our rates sustainably. And when you think about it that way, it definitely frees you up to say like, well, yeah, setting my rates at this means that I can show up generously. And I'm not starting off from a place of resentment because I've, it's, you know, like I, I quote unquote gave something here that they are taking for granted. You know, when, you, yeah. when you're undercharging for what, you know, you should, you know, you should be charging something higher than that. And you show up to that, even if it's subconsciously being resentful of the fact that you felt like you gave something that they don't know. They don't know that you gave. Yeah. So that, like, right. You gave anything in that scenario. And so they're thinking, oh, well, why are they, they're getting a weird vibe from you. Like, why are you, why is this person being like weird about this? I'm paying them what they asked me to pay them, you know? And you're sitting there being like, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so that really helps. I think if you think about making sure that just your prices are where they need to be so that you can show up that way without any sort of resentment or anything like that. Yeah. And you think about each gig as an isolated thing, but it's all a part of your whole picture yeah. and, you know, your entire income that you're making. And so if you think about it, like, say, like teaching is your main thing, if you're charging a low rate so that you need 50 students and that's way too many and you're super burned out, you are not giving what you hopefully could be able to give to your students. And if you raise your rates and you can have 30 students instead, you have more energy to go around. You know, right. it, that's good for everybody. That's great for everybody. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. So I think we could talk for a really long time, but uh, <laughs> being mindful of the time, I would love to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, which is what does being a whole person mean to you? Oh, big question. <laughs> it is. You're right. It's a great question. 
being a whole person, I think is about being in, in all parts of yourself being in, a, in the alignment that you need at that moment, right? So they don't have to be exactly equal in all times, but what is it that they, how do they need to be aligned right now? And then also being in integrity with yourself. And being in integrity with yourself, I think has a lot to do with, am I the same person outwardly that I think of, you know, when I'm being honest with myself inwardly? Am I, am I acting in accordance with the way that I see myself moving through the world? Right? Those are, those are all things that I think about when I think about being a whole person and not, and the part about being in alignment with all the sides of yourself is also not, you know, sacrificing one for the other because it will never go the way <laughs> you think it will when you like cut that part out or whatever, because it, 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 that doesn't, doesn't work. They all need to be there. Like all the facets of yourself need to be there. And and I think that that, you know, that can just extend onto so many things. If I start from that place of, am I in alignment with all parts of myself in the way that it needs to be right now? And also, am I in, in integrity with myself? Am I doing what I said I would do? Am I acting within my values? Am I, you know, walking my talk that way? Um, if I'm not, then I need to, I need to do some inward reflection. You know, you got to start you got to be there. You got to know what those things are. The more that you can kind of ask yourself inside and then make your actions match that, that it can be small little things. It can also be huge things. And whenever I'm feeling that discomfort, it just always means I got to check back in and be like, okay, something, something is not aligned at the moment, or I'm not, I'm not being actively in my integrity, which is acting the way that I, that I think I would, or that I want to. And yeah, those are just so important to me. And it's so random. Cause it's like all little things. Like you can just be like walking through your house and like, <laughs> suddenly you're like, mm, I'm not doing that thing that I thought I was, <laughs> but, but you can also kind of look over your whole life and be like, generally I'm there. Generally I'm like more days than not. I'm I'm being in alignment with myself and I'm bringing my best self or my favorite self. Was it you? I wasn't talking about this when we were like, I don't I know. I might've said this where it was like, that it was um saying like, instead of asking like, am I bringing my best self to this? Like, which requires kind of the music school mentality of like, <laughs> am I bringing like the A plus version of whatever mm -hmm. I am? They, it was saying like, am I bringing my favorite self to this? And I was like, ah. oh, that does really help. <laughs> like, that was not me, but I love that. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> I was like, I feel like that would be something that you would tell me. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I'm probably going to now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was just like, oh yeah, that definitely, but it allows me to come back to that question that I had of like, am I in integrity with myself? Which is this is the favorite self that I have. This is the one that I want everybody to interact with and that I want to interact with inside <laughs> that I want to be the yeah. person that I'm interacting with. So am I being my favorite self from 
you know, for whatever I'm thinking and feeling at that moment, but also am I being my favorite self with other people? And that can be a challenge, you know, if you're like sitting in a work meeting or a faculty meeting or something, you're like, am I being my favorite self right now? (laughs) (laughs) Am I allowed to be my favorite self right now? (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm not saying it's easy or anything like that, but it's definitely worthwhile. (laughs) It's the North star that we're always trying to point towards at least, even if it's not possible all the time. That is a fabulous answer. Uh, And I like the differentiation between best self and favorite self because best self kind of implies other people's expectations Yeah, and favorite self comes from within. Yeah. Right. And like, and you know, that can all be semantics, but it's like, find the semantics that work for you, whatever it is, just give yourself that gift of saying like, yeah, this is the enjoyable version. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I, I definitely see a lot of people in in my life where I feel like sometimes they, they aren't given that um, space to be, to enjoy themselves in that place. They, they're, either we're striving for something in a way that feels like, wow, okay, that's really intense. Cool. Like whatever you need, buddy, go ahead and do that. Um, but also then that interaction, it, it puts that damper on like the thing that I want, which we talked about. It's like, I want that, that connection. And if, if the other person or if myself, if I've put that mantle on of like, well, I have to bring my best self to this. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm failing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Puts that, puts that barrier between us of you or me not enjoying myself or you not enjoying yourself Yeah, that we can just do the thing we're going to do, which is maybe go to rehearsal or be in conversation with each other or, you know, coach together or whatever it is. Yeah. And this path of either being a musician or an artist or really any path that you're trying to make yourself is not easy. So if you don't like it, it's like you're working really hard and you don't like it. Like, (laughs) hopefully there's a way to make it so that you like it at least enough to fuel you. uh, We're going to talk about this sometime, another one, a a bonus (laughs) episode sometime where it's like the, the cult of suffering around like, Uh. well, I'm doing the work. So it's okay if I'm suffering for it, or it's like, I should be suffering because that's the way that I can have this, you know, kind of whatever it is. Yeah. Or Um, that's just how you do it. And everyone else paid their dues. So you have to too. Right. (laughs) And like that feeling of, or this work is serious. So I need to suffer Mm. for it. And I was like, oh, friends, we don't have to. (laughs) Life is too short. Yeah. Like we can be serious. We can be committed. We can be working towards greater aims and goals and also not having to perpetuate our, our suffering ourselves and each other, right? Like let's just, let's keep moving together. (laughs) Yes. And man, if I tried to only write serious music, it wouldn't (laughs) feel like me. So I wouldn't enjoy it. Like I just finished writing a piece about my cat called trouble pause. Like that, (laughs) that, this is what I do. Not that I never write anything serious, but if that was a requirement for me, that wouldn't work. (laughs) That's amazing. And I cannot wait to hear that piece. (laughs) I need to make a recording of it and post it soon. I'm actually, 
I got together with a friend of mine who's a flute player and she's like, this is basically a flute piece. Like this is very fluty. And I was like, it is. So we're going to arrange it for flute and piano also. Ooh, I like yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. This is it's, a, it's a Brazilian choro. So what's not to like there too. But what isn't to like? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Megan, before we go, I have to ask you, what are you excited about right now? Oh man. What am I excited about? Okay. Uh, this might be a little weird, but I'll always music stuff, but I'm actually most excited that I, I live in New Orleans now and I've lived here since right before the pandemic and things are starting to feel like you can actually go to more stuff and things, you know, all of the festivals that we used to have, we are starting to have them again. So I'm actually just genuinely excited to like <laughs> live where I live and enjoy it and being able to go to things and seeing people be their wacky and amazing selves and hear my friends make great music all the time. I, ugh, ugh, nuts. It's so good. And so I'm genuinely excited about that. And that fills me up artistically to like, go do the next stuff that I'm going to do. So I'm kind of filling, filling the well with that so that I can turn around and show up to my creative pursuits and be like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. I love that answer. People say things from like, I'm excited to eat lunch right now to what they're working mm -hmm. on right now. And I'm here for all yeah, answers. <laughs> I love hearing what people are excited about. There's nothing okay, better. But Rebecca, what's yours? What's mine? I'm excited about this will be over by the time this airs, but I was just at California Brazil camp last week. What? Yeah. That's for a so week cool. in the redwoods. And oh I've gosh. been there several times and I used to come from Minnesota and like do a whole trip and stuff. And now I can hop in the car and be there in under two hours, which is what? amazing. And I I'm kind of riding that high of yes. just Brazilian music 24 seven for a week. And a friend of mine there was like, Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I have to ask you if you can do this gig that's with the Berkeley Shoro ensemble with an orchestra and Whoa. there's a part for a piano and it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, as we're talking right now, uh, it'll probably be over by the time that I <laughs> air yeah. this episode, but, um, it's a rare gig that is like, I feel I am perfectly suited for both the, like, there are plenty of written out parts that I can, you know, just shed and do. And there's also improvisation and it's oh, in cool. styles that I love. So it feels like the kind of gig that I've always wished for and hasn't come up. So I'm Amazing. pumped for that. Amazing. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. I was practicing it earlier today and I was like, yeah, this is so great. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't feel it's, it's like that, uh, like we were saying, like the right kind of thing to fill you up and make you want to be your best self, but also like your favorite self. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the pressure to perform. It feels like I want to show up and like, do this yeah. and it's going to be awesome. So that's just a really good feeling. That is a, an amazing feeling. <laughs> so I will savor that while I have it for sure. <laughs> and then hopefully these things also lead to other things. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. This has been so delightful. Thank you. This was such a pleasure. I obviously love talking to you whenever I get the chance. So we'll have to do this again. <laughs> Absolutely. I 
Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at Mezzoinen. That's M E Z Z O I H N E N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. So, with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.